Welcome, welcome to Naked Comedy. This week we are here with Robert Popper. How are you doing? I'm doing groovy woozy, as we say in Britain. <laughs> you, have to, say. you have to forgive me. Um, I, I'm really bad with uh, pronouncing anything that mm. is It's not. actually Rupert Popper. <laughs> I just want to clarify that right now because I... Mm. I have a very California, Southern California accent, and that's good. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun or foon, as we say. Foon. Mm. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I want to start out just asking a little bit about um, the time waster letters and phone calls. I know you've been asked a million, billion, trillion times, but well, I, I will mean, ask you know what? You I haven't been asked a lot about the phone, the phone calls at all. I've been asked a bit about the letters, the, the book, the letters, but that's cool. But yeah, um, what do you want to know? Well, the phone calls, they just kind of came out um, near the end of last year, right? On, you posted them online? Yeah, well, I, I, basically, I, when I, since I was little, I used to do uh, tiny. But I um, used to do silly phone calls like a child, which I was. <laughs> and, you know, phone people up and tape them. And obviously that's childish. But then I never really stopped doing that. And I used to love phoning up like uh, radio phone-in shows here. We've got, you know, you have lots of those. We have lots here. <laughs> and... I kind of really like doing quite boring phone calls that sound totally normal and then gradually get odder and odder and odder. Um, and uh, I, I did a phone call several years ago to, in, in Britain, as you know, everyone loves football, you know, soccer. You know, they learn soccer mad. And after, on Saturday at like five o'clock in Britain, there's a massive radio show all about football and soccer and everyone phones in and it's if you're into soccer which i'm not really mm. everyone phones in to talk about the matches and there's millions of people listen and i phoned up and pretended i'd just been to a manchester united game and i was saying you know they'd lost it was terrible but then you know you've got to think about who's who's playing for their team and they said of course and then i reeled off 15 made-up names you've got the marsh brothers you've got dobbit you've got crank house you've got sullivan and named about 15 names, none of whom played for Manchester United. And I just knew at that time there would probably be 10 million people listening going, none of those people play for Manchester United. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like doing things that are a bit sort of normal and then go a bit freaky. But then, and, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, and then when I wrote the Time Waster Letters, uh, my book under the name Robin Cooper, I kind of realised there was a sort of character to him and he had a certain voice. And then I started making phone calls you know, very harmless ones, but very silly, with that voice, trying to see if I could book a hotel room with five swans and five rats, etc., etc. <laughs> yeah, and, one, uh, the one that I was listening to most recently was the one where you called um, one of the airlines trying to make uh, trying to make a reservation, and you had all these uh, questions about what time the, the flights were leaving and who was going to be flying, and then you asked the guy at the end, like, who, are you going to be there? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, I'd love to meet you. And he's like, well, I'd love to meet you very, too. He sort of speaks a bit like, and he said, it'll be very, very nice if we could possibly meet up. Will you be there at the airport? <laughs> no, I, I'm just booking the flight. Oh, is there any way I could perhaps see you at the airport? No, no. You know, it's kind of that kind of uh, thing. I mean, I did this phone call to um, the Dorchester Hotel in London. It's a big, posh hotel. And this is the one I did. It's on the website. You can find it somewhere on robertpopper.com. Somewhere there's phone calls and things. And it's called The Swan and the Rat. And I phoned and asked if I could... You know, we're very excited. My daughter's going to be on the BBC as part of Pet Awareness Week, and she's going to be bringing a swan on television. Can we keep a swan in the room? Uh, I'm not certain, so I need to find out. They're very posh and helpful. And gradually it escalates that actually there's a swan and a rat, and then mm -hmm. it's swans and rats. 
And this went on for ages. And the, the guy that was on the phone, the concierge, the hotel guy, was so, you know, really charming. <laughs> and it was very funny and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I put it up on the site. And then anyway, about a week ago, because I did this phone call about six months ago, a week ago I was bored. I thought I want to make some more phone calls. So I couldn't remember which hotels I'd phoned. And I phoned Dorchester again by mistake. <laughs> and they got through. And it was really funny because I, I said, oh, hello there. Um, I wonder if I could speak about a reservation. They said, I'll put you through. And then a very familiar posh voice came on. Hello. I said, oh, hello there. I'd like to phone about a reservation, some special requirements. He said, what's your name? He said, it's Mr. Cooper, Robin Cooper. He goes, oh, we've met before, Mr. Cooper. You phoned about the swan and the rat? <laughs> oh, right. Um, well, thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> but so have any, have any of the people that you've been calling, have they, like, caught on yet? Like, these, the, the phone calls, you know, are online and stuff. Are they just, you know, not the kind of people to look into that oh, kind of stuff? I mean, I've had my house firebombed, but no. Um, <laughs> I haven't had um, any callback. Good pun, not a pun, uh, yet at all, which is nice. Because I think they're generally harmless, and I take out anyone's names, and, you know, I'm not trying to be make nasty phone calls. And make, they're not really done to make anyone look stupid. It's more just uh, just seeing if I can talk nonsense with someone, and we can end up talking about, you know, if I can, in the hotel, is it possible for my uncle's birthday to fashion a, a cake a life-size cake for my of my uncle of every stage of his life from fetus to baby to young boy to adult all the way up and holding a mirror made of cake looking in it of a reflection of his life back down to when he was a fetus and actually discussing and saying well I, I'm not sure if we can do that but I can look into it <laughs> that's amazing I, it's just I think it's really cool it's that stupid. it like I, I like it though. I like, and I like that it isn't meant to like make anybody look stupid or anything. You know, like not meant to make anybody feel bad. Just kind of to see how far you can push it. But um, the more you've been doing these things um, under the name Robert Cooper, like what have you discovered about his character? Like you said, like as you did it, you kind of found more about him. Like, do you think everything, like, it, does he have a background, or do you just kind of throw things in, like as you it go? Sort of has. I mean, the book, the Time Waster Letters, are just a bunch of mad letters I wrote I had to think of a name which was Robin Cooper because I used my home address where I write to like hotels <laughs> mainly like hobby groups like the British Tortoise Society or uh, British Beekeepers Association or the Noise Abatement Society really British sort of trade associations and mm -hmm. hobby groups and from that yeah I suppose he well from the letters we he had a wife who had a very bad ankle he had a shed he used to build things in he was a bit of an inventor um I think he's just the kind of sweet, slightly misguided man who's very polite and is quite annoying to talk to because my favourite thing is when people are talking to me and they've done quite a long thing and they explain something, just, just to say, I beg your pardon, right at the end is really annoying. Just <laughs> knowing they have to repeat themselves. But he's sort of sweet and a bit lost and misguided, I suppose. Well, I'm excited. Like all of us, I suppose. Yes, of course. Well, I'm excited that there is the phone calls now. And like, do you think they're going to be doing any... Any more stuff like? Videos? Well, I can't really. Unfortunately, I, I can't really. I had two. There's one letters, but the time wasted letters is out in America, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, I've had two time wasted letters books out here. The first one, and then the return of that came out a couple of years, years ago, mm -hmm. and then I did a novel called The Time Wasted Diaries, which is a year in the life of Robin Cooper. So I had to flesh him out. In terms of the letters, which I love writing, I sadly can't really write anymore here because. Luckily, the book did well here, mm. but that means when I write to people, 
often they write back and say, we know who you are, please send me a book. So I go, oh, and I have to. It's costing me too much money. (laughs) Yeah, you just can't be giving those out. But I did try to write to America, actually. I wrote letters to America. But no one ever wrote back. I couldn't believe it. But maybe it was just that they thought, oh, we need to find how much a stamp costs to go to Britain. It's too much hassle. But I wrote to the White House um, when uh, George Bush, that amazing president you had, George Bush, (laughs) of course, uh, was in power. And I sent him $20 because I thought then he might reply. And they sent a letter back, very sort of cold standard letter saying that we're not allowed to accept money. Yeah. And inside the, this, and the inside it again was an orange envelope. And they said inside the orange envelope is your money. It was the $20 I sent. There was a weird spooky orange envelope with White House on it that had, but I think they just keep to put money in it if people send it to them. Maybe they I like just... the idea of sending people money. It's quite funny. <laughs> Maybe they were just suspicious of overseas money, something of that course. they didn't know. I don't you know. know. <laughs> the only letter... I got, a, I got a letter back from President Clinton when I was wow. in elementary school, though, like, you know, right to the president. So hmm. maybe it had a special group discount thing that they actually maybe so maybe a group discount i think so (laughs) well let's move on to um your show look around you which you did a few years ago in britain for bbc2 but it's just recently come out on adult swim in this past year but um so what do you think about this show like i i love this show this is one of my new most favorite favorite shows for me and you know i I'm like 20 something year old. Like I didn't grow up with these kind of like, I grew up with, you know, Sesame street. Like I didn't have the, the 70s style stuff, but I still like, I still love it. And I still get everything that's going on in it. Like, what do you think makes it so appealing to both like UK and US and like various age? That's that's an interesting question. Cause you know, when we made it, Peter Serafinowicz and I, um, it was, we originally started as we just made a, we wrote, and then we suddenly made a short film called, we decided, we, basically, we, when we became friends about 10-ish years ago, we knew we wanted to do funny stuff together, and we used to hang out a lot. And it was, well, we liked kind of odd stuff, and we were talking one night, and we remembered these old, they're very specifically British, actually, mm-hmm. uh, science education shows that you were forced to watch at school when they'd wheel in the one VHS video recorder on, like, wheels in a cupboard. And you'd be forced to watch a video and you think, brilliant, this, we're just going to watch a, a video now, no work. But you'd be forced to watch and work during the program. It would ask you to take notes down mm-hmm. during the... And it would be grim and look... And even when you were a kid, you realised it was a really grim, grotty thing, mm-hmm. what you were watching. And we had it here in Britain, we had a thing called the BBC Open University, which made most of these schools programmes. But they had more kind of, I think, guys in flares and beards. But these were more subtle. These ones... In the first series that we did with the experiments, they had this weird blue background, and they were really creepy, and you only saw them occasionally, but I loved them. And uh, Peter remembered them as well, because they kind of burnt themselves into your head when you'd seen one. And we started writing, we thought, let's write one of those, let's make, we thought calcium was funny, let's make the world's first comedy about calcium, let's write it, because people will go... I want to read that because if you tell someone we've written a comedy about calcium, they'll go, oh, what's that? <laughs> and then when we started writing, so let's just make a short film of it. And we'd never done one before. And we just got a bunch of people. and got Tim Kirkby, who ended up directing the series. And uh, we did all the music ourselves. And we just, within six weeks, we'd filmed it all. And then it took several months to edit because we'd jump into edit suites at night. You know, people would do it for free. And we had a big screening and it kind of seemed to take off. And that led to the series. And that, I'm not really answering the question, but the question, the answer <laughs> is... Um, 
the, yeah, I think it's uh, those kind of science shows. I think you, from speaking to Americans, you had kind of similar-ish education programs. But I think what they do, they kind of, everyone's seen a thing a bit like that. And the idea was to kind of put you back in that feeling of when you were at school and you were watching a specific thing, either at school watching one of those type shows, feeling depressed, thinking, <laughs> oh, I wish we were watching TV, but we're watching something we don't want to watch. Or kind of when you're sick at home, and you turn the TV on in the day, and there were shows like that. It was kind of that feeling, and I think people could sort of relate here and in America to that uh, that tone and that feel it gives you. Just like, That's oh. my answer in 5,000 words. <laughs> Well, I think that you definitely touched on one of my favorite one of my favorite elements of the show are like the darker parts. I mean, I was rewatching a bunch of the episodes and in almost every one of at least the first season, something has to either die or mm. suffer for science. And like, yeah. did that come from those shows or did you just like throw yeah, that in? Yeah, I think there? uh well, when we watched when we started writing it, we then decided let's watch some. So we managed to get from this where I worked, I worked at this TV production place called Granada that was a big, very big in the 70s. And we realized they, had all, they, they made these shows. So we used to raid the library and they would have a tape that would have like eight shows in a row on random shows from the 70s and 80s, including these shows. So they'd have one of these shows we want to sort of, you know, watch, a science one, and then seven other shows that were random. And we would just get it all taped and just watch this random nonsense. Mm-hmm. But when we'd watch these things, the science ones, I remember once they had, uh, like, it was like an ape or a monkey in a glass cage. And the voice said um, something like, look what happens when we goad the monkey. And then they sort of tap on the window and the monkey literally throws itself face forward into the glass, smashes its face in the glass. And there was a kind of slight, uh, I don't know, slight fascistic tone to them all, which we, we thought was quite funny. I thought, and we just thought if we just do it really straight... And we like things that are implying, yes, yeah, something nasty is about to happen. Yeah. Particularly in, 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 in the, the short film, the one that's Calcium, which um, is on our DVD. And if it ever comes out in America, then you can see it. But I'm sure it's all on YouTube. There's a thing we have called the Helvetica Scenario, which was we made uh, this, this stuff called um, oh God, a certain type of calcium that's a jelly. And it was implied that if it's handled wrong, then we cut to basically a screen that looks like a laboratory with a scientist's with a, a notebook writing down very coldly what he's observing, and then in a room separated by glass, obviously like an airtight or whatever, locked-off room, is a man who emerges banging on the window in agony. It's all silent with this horrible music on, and he's got no face, it's just skin. I remember I remember watching that. It, it is on YouTube, thankfully. Because... That's horrible, that, the Helvetica scenario. <laughs> even, and, 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 and Peter did the sound to that, which is just uh, like an alarm, which was... Uh, which is the most horrible sound and he used to do that to me to annoy me (laughs) whenever I go around he'd just put his keyboard and go "Ah, ah," and we thought we have to use that because that's the most horrible sound ever it is it's one of those sounds that just chills you to the bone no matter what. oh yeah and also there's bees buzzing and random and bees the the like the Helvetica uh, scenarios from like the queen yeah it's like that if there was inside an atom there's the queen atom or something and if it loses leaves the nest or something and and, he's, and then it's just here buzzing they're getting loud that horrible sound of bees really loud <laughs> plus that horrible random synth which is horrible and then on top three of the most horrible sounds plus a horrible image <laughs> <laughs> are culminating together for a horrible exactly. but awesome thing a, a horrible 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, I, I definitely hope the DVD comes out soon because it's, it's getting yeah, well, antsy. We, we just set up a petition. No, we're, we're just we're trying to sort it out at this end, um, and fingers crossed we'll be able to release it in America. Hopefully, yes. If not, we will start the petition. We brought yeah. back other stuff. We'll do that. But so exactly. You, um, last year, late last year, you started your own production company, Popper Pictures Limited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, th- one man and a desk. <laughs> How have things been letter. going with that? Oh, amazing. Can't you hear Can't you hear the office buzzing away? Listen to this. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's good. I'm just, uh, just filmed a little... A uh, taster of a sort of sitcom. Well, I don't know if it's a sitcom or comedy that I've written, and um, I'm hoping to develop a thing based on this world religion me and Peter invented called Tarvuism um, from a website called www.tarvu.com, which is this crazy mad um, look around you esque religion we've invented. So mm-hmm. yeah, just busy doing new city things. Oh yeah, definitely over here in the States, Tarvuism is. Everyone who knows about it is dying for its release. It, um, oh, do people seem to know about it there? Yeah, actually, there's, um, especially um, in L.A., but, uh, like, all over the place, there's, like, a kind of really rabid following for, like, these Adult Swim kind of shows, Tim and Eric, mm-hmm. uh, mm, Yeah, my favorite. Yeah, and so everybody who's a fan of that is... Is, knows about Tarvuism, is waiting for it to oh, come out. Oh, praise Tarvu. Definitely. I'm um, Fitty Nuna. But um, what we, because we, we did a website and we, we put a few films on it and we really need to, just because we're so busy, we really want to open the website up to like the public and let people play around it more. Oh, yeah, I think no. we've got our new thingy that we've just, a little silly thing hopefully we've shot, which we'll all be out soon, which should be quite funny. I do. But yeah, we, we, wanna, we really want to do more because there's, quite a lot that we want to do with Tarvu. Um, yeah. But we've just been, Peter's been so busy and he's been filming um, a movie with Vince Vaughn, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it'd be nice to do something. We've got a couple of ideas and we just don't know which one to do, but they're both silly. <laughs> well, the website is, is brilliant as it is right now. Like, now that you've said that there's more coming, I, I don't, viewers are going to go crazy. Just listeners, viewers. Viewers and listeners. Maybe it was people that are listening but watching the radio. People engaging. People engaging with this. <laughs> exactly. They're engaging away. But, um, but yeah, I guess the last thing I want to ask you about, um, you, had a, you helped out with the production and writing of the new Sasha Baron Cohen movie, Bruno, right? Um, yeah, well, I did, I did a few months writing on that. Um, I'm not, like, one of the main writers, but I went there and helped out for a few months because I, I used to know Sasha. But I... I really can't really talk about it because we're sort of all sworn to unbelievable secrecy. All I can say is um, <laughs> Sasha's amazing. That's all I can say. He's uh, ridiculously brilliant. I guess I uh, just I was just curious from the perspective of somebody who doesn't live in the States and stuff like that. Oh, um, I loved it. I was in L.A. and I thought I wouldn't like it just because I'm quite sort of British and London. <laughs> and I, well, basically, I went to L.A. Uh, three years ago. I love America anyway, but I went to L.A about three years ago, and to visit Peter, who was living out there, Peter Serafinovich, for six months. So I was there for a week. And to be honest, I just didn't really like it because, <laughs> and people said, you really need to go with a purpose. And I didn't have a car there, and I didn't really know many people, and he was working, so I didn't have that much to do. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure about LA. And then I went back the year later, and I had a job, and I knew more people, and I just thought it was brilliant. I loved it. Absolutely thought it was brilliant. Loved it. Definitely. I guess I'm a big fan. I yeah, guess New York is brilliant. No, I, I have yet to go to New York, but I really hope to. But oh, actually, wow. the, the question I had <laughs> was more along the lines of, like, with our political 
situation the way it is regarding like gay rights and stuff do you think there's going to be any problem with the way people receive bruno i know that there's been some talk of whether or not it's going to get like you know blackballed by people who are not down for that i don't know because i i can't really comment because i haven't seen the film yet so Uh. it really depends how it's all gonna be but um all i know is he's amazing talent and so clever and i was you know but i grew up with his older brother actually weirdly And um, my brother was very good friends with him. So it's weird seeing him just as, you know, someone you grew up with, turning into this fantastically talented, brilliant comedian. He really is, yeah, outstanding. And mm-hmm. one of the most impressive people I've ever worked with, if not the most, yeah. Well, I'm sure your, really your is scenes will stand out as well. No, he really is that good, yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else you'd like to say about Look Around You and stuff? I could I could talk your ear off about that, but I don't know how much, how much more in-depth... You want to go well, with fire that. away. What do you want? What do you want to say? What, um, I mean, it's really nice that it was on, you know, in America and on Adult Swim, and people seem to respond to it because it's funny. We did this thing, and it was particularly for us. It, 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 the first, the, the first series and the last episode of the second series. If people sit with Sir Prince Charles, it's mm-hmm. like a fake live episode. They were our favourites, and I'm sort of closer to the first series just because it was more. Just it came from this weird, mad. Let's just write a short film and. It was so out there and felt so personal. And for me and Peter, we would love to really just spend the rest of our lives just making those <laughs> fake learning modules. We would do that forever. And we have like other scripts that we, we would have done. Obviously, we're not doing that. But um, we're very, very fond of it. Even, you know, years after, we still, we still you know, really, really like And we're really pleased that people dig it. And, and if the DVDs come out, there's kind of so much extra stuff on there and, like lots of stuff and in fact the second series of look around you was really hard because um they're actually 29 minutes long in the UK 28 29 minutes but in the US we've had to cut them down to 22 minutes so mm-hmm. in each episode we've had to lose you know seven minutes oh, um and in some way that might benefit a bit but there's kind of a lot of stuff so for a couple of episodes before they begin you know you'll see it on the DVD if it comes out where we had like fake trailers for what's coming up on bbc with like uh, fake tv shows that we had cut and stuff like that and uh, they're quite funny <laughs> oh man like you don't uh, the thing is like i i host this show because i want to help get the word out to people who don't know about it but at the same time i'm also like a rabid fangirl so it's just like this is that's good rabid fangirl is good <laughs> it's just so like my favorite modules on both the first and second series were the music ones i all oh, right you saw little mouse Little Mouse. Have I, you seen the full-length version of Little Mouse? I don't think so. I, I've only well, been able to see... Well, if you put Little Mouse, into, Little Mouse into the internet, in inverted commas, you'll see the three-minute version of the song. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, which I, we made when we were a little bit drunk. <laughs> I haven't been able to get that song. And I just love how you just pop out of the bushes, just like... There's so well, much wait till you see video. the full-length one. <laughs> the full-length one is so full-on. But then, I guess, uh, the question I did have was, for the second, the second season, or series um for music 2000 like where did you guys come up with those those musical acts like they they went beyond even what you know like stereotypical futuristic music synth and stuff like it went beyond that what makadenu are you talking about makadenu the mad um, yeah i don't know really we were thinking well what would be the maddest song and we just started I don't know. I had a guitar there and was just started singing Makadenu and then Peter joined in and we said, let's do that. And we recorded it quickly. And then we thought that was funny because it was the most annoying song, but actually weirdly catchy. And um, then when Kevin Eldon, the actor who plays Tony Rudd, who sings that song, who's 
if you don't know him out there, he's like one of the most amazing comic actors who's been in some of the like best stuff in British TV. Mm-hmm. I'm Alan Partridge. Stuff with Chris Morris, who if you you guys know Chris Morris, who's like the the guy who does who did things like the Day to Day, Brass Eye, Jam, who's like the most amazing uh, mind comic mind you know in Britain, um, and he. Uh, kind of made it his own you know we said here are the causes of the song and then he kind of added bits but he added if you know that bit it there's a high bit where he goes oh yeah. he just kind of did that and, um yeah and there's a brilliant remix someone made like a dance remix of it it's very funny oh, wow. that's so cool i think my favorite part of the music 2000 episode was though the um the fruit and vegetable orchestra oh the vegetable orchestra yeah. it just seemed yeah, to it, it seemed to like still call back to the the first season with just these outlandish things that inanimate objects can do like when calcium dies and yeah such like well that, that came from me and pete watched used to what we watched a program from the 70s that's one of on one of these for these tapes that was saying that we got from some library God, i can't remember what it was called but it was it was from made in manchester like the north part of london uh, of north part of england and it was about a report. It was like a local TV show, which is so boring, mm-hmm. about the uh, regeneration of the area. And it was all about draining this sort of uh, lake to for new, like, grassland. It was so grim and boring. Mm-hmm. And um, with it, it was, yeah, it was about a thing called Project Ground Force. And we meet the council uh, officer, uh, Simon Arkwright, who speaks to us about the drainage system. And it was like that, really boring. Mm. And so the 25 minutes of the program was that. And then it cut when it finished, that report, to the last five minutes when he was in a studio with an old man who looked like the guy from the vegetable orchestra with vegetables all polished. (laughs) And they just had a discussion about his vegetables that were going to be entered into a vegetable competition. (laughs) And that's one of the best. He's talking about all the vegetables. These are wonderful vegetables here. And and, uh, what's this? Oh, that's bummer. And and these? He said, oh, these are tomatoes. It's like he didn't know what tomatoes were. It's very funny. And what are these? Tomatoes. (laughs) Well, I... um... But they were laid out like an orchestra, and we suddenly thought... That'd be funny if they were an actual orchestra. Well, that is definitely something that's going to go down in my comic history and many others. And I'm really hoping for the DVD soon. I'm excited for Tarvu. Is there any last comments you want to make to us? Um, I want to wish everyone a wonderful Christmas. (laughs) Well, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. You have a wonderful rest of your day. And you. (laughs)